Hello, 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 everybody. I'm Pedro. And I'm Meredith. Welcome to Gritty Reboot. We it didn't have the strongest start to the show. Meredith just started laughing before I even said a word. Because you had a, you look like you're about to scream into the mic. Yeah, one of these days I'm just going to yell into this microphone as hard and as loud as I can. That'll be the first day that I punch you in the face. Yeah, I'm going to try to go apparently full Haley Williams and scream into this thing with the full power of my voice. Project. You're trying to blow out my eardrums. Yeah. That's the whole goal here. So, Meredith, what are we talking about today? What are we talking about today? What are we talking about today? We are continuing our saga on Leatherface. That's right. We are continuing to go down Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the series Mini Mini Reboots. Yeah. Uh, So, today we are zeroing in on two movies. And these are two a bit more official reboots. I think when you would say reboot of this series, you'd probably think of these two movies. Uh, One from 2003 with Jessica Biel, and that was uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, same title. And then in in 2022, we got Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Get rid of that definite article. Get out of here. The Nobody wants you anymore. And we have this movie as well that was a requel, which is a different type of reboot. But in, 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 at the end of the day, it's all the same. It's a reboot. Yeah, it's very much in the vein of Halloween uh, 20, 2018. I think so. Yeah, the, the one where Jamie Lee Curtis came back. The last one where Jamie Lee Curtis came back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she did that a couple of times. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a iconic franchise. It was... As classic as you really get in the genre. And I think one of the things people don't realize about this movie is that when we talk about reboots and all these horror remakes that we got, all these slasher remakes started in 2003, started right here with this film. This is the first real reboot that began this trend, a remake of American movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. This is Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes Company. Let's just get right into it. This is Arlie Ermey, Eric Balfour, Mike Vogel. Eric Leherson, Jonathan Tucker, Jessica Peel in The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, a film by Marcus Nispel. I'm going to have to call the cops, I guess. Excuse me. I just saw something. All right, that's it. If somebody's out there, just come on out. What is that? The hitchhiker. What were they all doing here? What the hell are you doing in my Say something? You're gonna die. So, Mary, do you have any particular memories of this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Not really. No. I saw it. I actually can't remember when the first time I saw the movie. Oh, really? You don't have any memory in at all of the slightest? Yeah, slider. I know I've seen it. I've seen it a couple of times, but mm-hmm. I don't remember when I saw it. It's it's an it's not a very memorable movie. Yeah, I, I want to stress when when this movie came out, it, it really got atrocious reviews. I mean, like the reviews were re- really bottom of the barrel. Uh, I don't I don't think Rotten Tomatoes was a thing in two thousand and three, so there wasn't like an like an aggregate an aggregate site like that. It was just like the general consensus that this was a shit movie. And now it did very well at the box office when, when it came out. Like people were hungry for this kind of reboot. And there is value, as we always talk about, with reboots. And I think one of the things that you can say about this is it is a very Hollywood version of this story. It's very Hollywood. Yeah, it is an incredibly you know safer version of the original film that we got. The documentary style is gone. This is a very much a traditional film. Uh, it's directed, like I said, by Marcus Nispel, who we will cover again because he does the Friday the 13th reboot in a few years after this one. And just to reiterate, by the way, I want to talk. This was uh, just under a $10 million budget, and it brought in $107 million. Wow. So that's a massive, massive hit. Yeah. And that's why there was a bonanza, just a rush to get these horror remakes out the door and to get them made. One thing before we get into this movie is this did have a connection as well to the original film. Toby Hooper uh, was one of the producers on the movie. As well as Daniel Pearl, he returned to be the cinematographer, and he does a beautiful job in both of these movies. That is the 
one of the real highlights of this film is the cinematography is magnificent. It's a beautiful, beautiful, ugly film. And I really mean that in a positive way. I love the way this movie is shot and the way it looks and the way he adapted his original style from that movie into a very Hollywood format. And it really works. It really works. It does carry a very, uh, it, there's a great visual link between the two movies that he's able to provide. And that's great. And all that's gone for the sequels. And I just want to mention that here with this movie before we get into really talking about it. Yeah. I'm, I might've taken that, the look of the movie for advantage because I didn't really notice that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things that just, there was so many times like, that, cause there's a lot of running through the woods. We'll get into it, but and, and just the way it's shot a lot of the times and the way it's framed, they did a really fantastic job just sort of bringing out like different ways to make it interesting, you know, visually, you know, just different lighting techniques, different way they moved around. Just, you know, they always found really great ways to sort of keep that vibe from that original film pumped into this one. And I, I just had to mention it, you know, straight off the gate here. So how's our tale start here? All right. Well, we meet our characters in the van. So we, just like the last one, we were starting yeah, off right in the van. We're starting right on the van. Jessica Biel's already trying to show she can act, which is. It's a little rough it's, here. It's no es bueno. Can we talk about anachronisms here? Because Jessica Biel doesn't quite fit in like the 70s aesthetic. No. I think her look could make you think this isn't a period piece. Because I know I didn't think that when I, I saw the trailer. Because we talked earlier about your first experience watching the movie. This was really the first time I had sat down and watched this movie all the way through, besides catching bits and pieces here on cable. Yeah. So, you know, this also wasn't an experience for me in that respect, that I actually finally got to sit down and, and, and watch this sucker all the way through. I didn't think it was bad as I fir- when I first saw it. Yeah, no, there, there, we, we'll get into it, because there's, there's some scenes that I love in this movie. There really are some scenes that I love, that I think are some of the best in the whole fucking series. But certainly some of the other sequels, I, I can't stress this isn't as good as the original film by a long shot. Dear Lord, some of the other movies in this franchise. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of the movies in this franchise because I never really liked the original that much. Well, you know, there, there's some of the, the later films because Leatherface will cover late. We're going to cover both movies called Leatherface. But from what I know about the series, the next generation, the one with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, that's the bottom point of the series. Nothing can be worse than that, from what I can tell. And this, like the, the, the two movies we're covering today, are far better than that. Way better than that. And this movie's better than the other one. I'm glad we're not covering it. <laughs> no, it's just a shit movie, and it's not really a remake. It's just a terrible idea for a sequel. It's just an anomaly that McConaughey and Zellweger are in it. Yeah, they're really young. Yeah, baby McConaughey. I know, a little, little tiny Renee little Zellweger. Tiny she fits baby in your pocket. Renee you can Zellweger. just take it and fold it, put it in your little pocket, you can. I don't know why I had to be Irish for that. Let's continue here. We were talking about the van. Yep. And we're talking about Jessica Biel. She's in this movie. Mm -hmm. They spot a woman on the side of the road and they almost hit her. Yeah. They get out. The girl is crying. She's so snotty. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's very snotty. It reminds (laughs) you like uh, Blair Witch. She needs a tissue. It's not quite that bad. It's a good effect to let you know that she's completely like lost her mind. Yeah. Fucked. I I like that. It's actually, it's actually pretty good. This is a, a nice, change from the original movie from one hitchhiker to another yeah you know this person isn't someone who's out to get them it's just literally a victim who's at the complete end of a rope she the the first thing that she says to them is they're all dead so creepy yeah the the trip is not going very well they're heading towards the direction that she realizes is where all the danger is at and she doesn't want to go back Mm -hmm. and after a couple small confrontations with them she pulls a gun out of what I can only assume is just her vagina. She pulls a gun out of her pussy. Yeah, she pulls a gun out of her pussy, guys. There's really no other way to put this. Because because she got up earlier and they pushed her down. If she was holding it between her thighs, which I wouldn't recommend to anyone to try to hold a loaded weapon between your thighs, you know, it would have fallen out. So she had to have like... Had it. She had to. Yeah, she she had to kind of had it in Because it didn't make any sense. No, it it really doesn't make any sense at all. And it's a little distracting. However, right after that, like the suicide, I think it's really well shot. Yeah. It's got a great effect when they, probably one of the coolest shots in a horror movie like ever. It's way over the top, but I really like it. They pull through the hole. Yeah. They track backwards through the hole in her head from the gunshot. And you see everyone's terrified reactions. Yeah. 
as this camera move goes through and it goes even out the back window. It's a big hole. Yeah, it really is. And, so it makes and you think it's probably a 32. Th- you know, they didn't CG that, by the way. Yeah. They didn't CG that. They did all that shit practically. I think they did a bunch of takes and, and they built it like a dummy head to like pull a certain kind of camera lens that's very long. And that, that's what they did. They, whoosh, they just kept pulling that out till they got the perfect look from the head. Hmm. And, and it worked and it worked. So it, it, I, I find it pretty cool. This is 2003. You were still going to do a lot of things like that practically. CG just wasn't really there yet. And for a movie at nine and a half million dollars, it was easier to let those kind of crafts, crafts guys figure that kind of stuff out. You know, the, those kinds of, you know, prop team and stuff like that. Those guys are really talented about putting that to work. And it's a really great looking shot today. So it holds up. It, it's one of the standouts from this movie. One of the best shots in the whole franchise. No one is crippled in this movie. No one's crippled. Mm-hmm. Everyone is able-bodied. We'd mentioned that yeah. before. What, what, what do we think of the cast? I like Eric Balfour a lot as an actor, but this is not a great part. Which one does he play? He is... Is he the boyfriend? Yes. The boyfriend of Jessica Biel? He plays Kemper. Kemper, yeah. He's Kemper. He plays Kemper. He's Aaron's boyfriend. Yeah, they, they named him after Edmund Kemper. I'm, yeah, that's why I assumed that the reference was on that one right mm-hmm. there. So I, that wasn't very subtle. Yeah, I mean, no, nothing about the movie is particularly subtle. How many fools do you know named Kemper? Exactly right. That's not necessarily a real common name. No. I like that actor a lot. I mean, he's just, he's fine here. He's right. There's not a lot to this part. Beale can struggle at times. I I, I think she's okay. At, she's at better point. towards the end. Yeah, I think she does a nice job with the screaming and the horror parts of it. She really got into mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You know, that I think that really helped. By the way, um, Pepper, I don't know if you know, <laughs> can recognize her. She is a cast member of one of the worst movies of all time, Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. A film that features no book of shadows at all. I remember for a while there, you went on this, let's watch the Book of Shadows movie kick. Are you still on that kick? I think it's a little underrated, to be honest. The movie Is that more of a reboot? No, it's a straight sequel. It's just a bad idea for one. Well, here's the thing. Like, the director of that movie had a vision that the studio was like, no, we're not doing that. We need to make a more traditional horror movie. So they made a traditional horror movie out of, like, what he had. And this is a Joe Berlinger. He was an Oscar winner for Paradise Lost, a documentary filmmaker. So he was no slouch or anything like that. But, you know, to the studio, I didn't give a shit about a documentary filmmaker. So that, that the whole movie is sort of a mishmash of ideas. Like the ending that's in the movie, they shot that on mini DV in the director's backyard, like three weeks before release or like a month before release. So, I mean, it really was a strange ass movie. But yeah, no, I'm always curious about it. You know, I love movie stories like that where there's multiple different cuts and the studio gets involved. I love those stories. Yeah. I love those stories. We don't have that here. They stop at the store to report the suicide. The store looks very similar to the store in the 1974 movie. I think they meet uh, Luda May here, right? Isn't that the clerk? Yeah. So they, they meet her and they use her to try to get like a hold of the sheriff so they can, you know, report the body. Mm-hmm. And they find out they have to actually go meet the sheriff somewhere. At the old mill. Yeah, that's not at all peculiar. So they, obviously everybody in the cast is pretty pissed off, as you would generally. Like, you have to transport a body across town. That's not exactly what you want to do. By the way, the place is great. It's so grimy and everything like that. They have, like, like the the meat that's shown off on the counter. Like, all that looks like it's rotting. Oh, I know. Yeah, everything about the movie feels gross. And I, but it's not necessarily that bad. I think I think it's done in a well, a well done way. It really does. It gives you the vibe you need for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. So they end up heading all the way over town, over there, so they can go meet the sheriff, correct? Yep. And we get to find out a little bit more about the characters. But in all honesty, there's not necessarily a lot there, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it, they're very paper thin. Now, now, I'm not saying the characters in the original were like, you know, necessarily, you know, deep savants, all of them. But I feel like we got to learn more about who they were as we as we went on. Yeah, they are pretty hollow as characters. It's a shame. Yeah, but one thing I will say is, what do you think about the style of the clothes? Oh, you know, this is the point I was going to make earlier. And I think I got sidetracked about Jessica Biel because she's wearing like low cut. Yeah, she's wearing low-rise very, jeans. Very 2003, turn-of-the-century yeah. kind of jeans. I know, I used, to, I used to wear those jeans. Yeah, yeah, you, you would have. I did, too. <laughs> I did, too. I, I love to show off the V. You're nothing without the V. So, anyway. The heavenly V. <laughs> yeah, damn right. So, anyway, I thought that was kind, kind of strange as well. Some of the cast members do look like they're in 1970. Others really don't. So I can understand like this getting lost as a period. Yeah. Very, very easily. But still in 2003, didn't have, you, most people, you might have had cell phones. I don't know what that era was. 
It's real. There was one point in like 2001, nobody really has a cell phone. I think 2003, the whole world has one. So, well, I graduated in 2003, so I had a cell phone at one point in high school because you you helped me get a cell. Yeah, phone. that's right. I you did. helped convince my parents to let me have a cell phone. Yeah, that's right. Because otherwise, I wasn't allowed to have one. Well, it just made the most sense at the time. Now, I I think Maya should have a cell phone at a certain age, but not like that late. No, no, it's it's very well. It's it's just different now. You you need a cell phone to live. It's not yeah. like it it was then, where it's just like a something you need to get just a hold landlines. of. Landlines. Well, like at that point, it just was easier to get that than just dealing with landline. We're bullshit. just we're just aging ourselves. We're yeah, so we're, old. We're, we're, all, it, everyone who's like under like thirty is like unsubscribe, <laughs> downvote, one star. So a bunch of old fogies talking about how cell phones used to work. And the movie doesn't even feature any goddamn cell phones. So uh, we get a little bit of a fight um, between our characters. Um, they're talking about whether or not they want to just dump the girl's body or not, because they're still waiting for the sheriff, and he's not showed up. And Yeah, because they get over there, and he's not there. So yeah. And it's a solid argument, honestly. Like, it's not your responsibility to take care of the girl, but it's pretty goddamn disrespectful. So and I think both sides are fairly well argued, you know? See, I would be worried about the juju. <clears throat> Yeah, like that—that's the thing. Like, it's—it's it's not very respectful to do something yeah, like that. Yeah, bad juju. Yeah, and then, and oddly enough, they all make the right decision. Doesn't go so well for everybody though. Mm-hmm. Doesn't go so well. While they're there uh, at the mill waiting for the sheriff, the, some of our characters run into a kid with with some fucked up teeth. Yeah, he's a little dirty fucker. Who tells them where they can find the sheriff? So that means two two people go off. Yeah, we've split up our characters. As is customary for any horror picture. Jessica Beale and her boyfriend Kemper, Kemper end up at an old house where she calls the sheriff. And I think I think her name's Erin. Yeah, her name is Erin. Yeah. yeah, her, her name is Erin. You don't have to keep calling her Jessica Beale. I know. Beale. That's how my notes are. Oh, the Beale. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, I guess is what I would have do to what it would have done to. Yeah. I try to keep the character names fairly straight. I try to. There is a man there who has both of his legs amputated. And he opens the door for them as they make that call. Mm-hmm. I just like that character because after the the call, which we don't get to hear anything on the other side, right? We just hear Aaron's perspective. Yeah. The guy's off the toilet and needs help. And she goes to pick him up and he's just like getting oh, a handful so of her ass. Handsy with Yeah. Him. Yeah. Like to a ridiculous degree. Like I, I can't imagine Jessica Biel not busting out laughing at the end of like either take. Cause he's like going to town. Like right off that ass cheek. <laughs> and it's just a, a funny little thing. The little thing to note here as the movie goes on that we had like one pervert here as as things start to escalate. Yeah. Meanwhile, the sheriff shows up at the old mill, finally. And we get introduced to Arlie Army. Yeah. Who, who we love. Yeah. And he is by far uh, the best performance in this movie. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. I mean, he really is. He does a fantastic job channeling that, that drill instructor energy all the way from Kubrick's full metal jacket. He brings that kind of intensity to this part. And it's really amazing. He's in, he's so intense in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's scary. He's everything that you you really want out of an antagonist uh, in this kind of movie. Because yes, Leatherface is is the antagonist, but he's more of like a tool, correct? Oh yeah, <clears throat> he's he's the hammer. It's interesting what they were willing to let Arlie Ermy really do in this movie because none of the family members I think really register after him. But it's interesting to note, like, the second he comes on screen, like, my attention was really focused on him and everything that he did. He was fantastic. A lot has happened at this point of the movie. Don't don't you agree? Like, so much story and exposition. Yeah, if you're really comparing plots, like, these two movies, like, there's so much more that's going on inside of the second movie to sort of get this plot into high gear. Yeah. And it's not necessarily bad, but it does make the movie a bit overstuffed that they're trying to mm-hmm. kind of put a, a lot in there. And, and you know, it, it, there's a little bit too much in this movie. I think they scale back a little the bit. The movie's not that very long. No, it really isn't. I think if they scale back a few of those elements, I think they, they'd probably have a tighter, more focused narrative. While Jessica Beale's, I'm sorry, Aaron's character, Aaron, Aaron, is dealing with the handsy old man, her boyfriend goes looking for her. Yeah, so Kemper comes in the house, and this doesn't go well for him. Yeah, he dies first. Yeah, he dies first. He is incapacitated. We don't see him die, but the next time he is seen, uh, like a little bit down the line, Leatherface is literally working on his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at that point, you we can assume he's met his canonical death. So he, he's taken out while she's dealing with all this bullshit, and she ends up heading back to the van. 
Yeah. Thinking that, that he went That's along where he went. Him. Yeah, because, I mean, that makes the most sense. She goes down there, and she meets everybody else, and the sheriff isn't, isn't there. So Aaron and Andy decide they're going to go back for Kemper. Yeah, he hasn't returned, so they know they have to go look for him. And I think that that is an interesting element of this movie that I really like, is that Andy is very close friends. And he's like, he even has a line, I can't leave him behind. Like, he doesn't even question it. He's like, yeah. we got to go get our buddy. He's, he probably got lost somewhere or fell into something or maybe got into trouble. I mean, he doesn't think it's that. But he takes a tire iron with him just in case shit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, I so, would too. Yeah. I'd be taking something. Sure. Yeah, because you don't know what you could find. I mean, we're not necessarily thinking Leatherface, but I mean, if you're out in Texas, you really can run to a wild animal. Yeah. So you, you really want to have something on you. So he goes back to, over to the house. And this is where we get really the first fantastic look at Leatherface. What do you think about his look? The look for me isn't my favorite. Obviously, the way he looks in the original movie is how I always envision him. But I realized from like Mortal Kombat and, and like like that interpretation that of his version of the character in that one, and same thing with Dead by Daylight is is this is a, a more iconic interpretation. It may not be my favorite, but I, I, it doesn't really bother me. Like I don't think it's bad. There are other ones that I, I don't care for. But this is, isn't that. And also, I did want to mention as well, Andrew uh, Bernarski, he took over the role here of Leatherface. And I think he's great. I, I really do. I know there's some, there's some controversy in the community about uh, him and Gunnar Hansen. They apparently hated each other. Oh, really? Yeah, they, they had a deep, lifelong feud. You know how deep the beef went? No. When Gunnar Hansen died, they asked Andrew about it, and he tweeted, boo-hoo. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had some deep, deep beef. But, I mean, Gunnar Hansen re- really said some, some a lot of cheap things about, like, the way he played the part. And I think he's fine. I mean, he doesn't suck or anything like that. I mean, he's gigantic. So yeah. That he's really, he huge. really looks enormous and scary. I mean, just absolutely terrifying when he's running around. Um, you know, but both actors, I think, did a really great job. And in all honesty, they just do different things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he brought the right fucking intensity for the way the director wanted this version of Leatherface. Oh, pardon me, Thomas Hewitt, by the way, is his name. By the way, they're not the Sawyers. I was gonna say because I had we're not the Sawyer. They're Hewitts. Down. Yeah, they're Hewitts now. Yeah. In, in this version, they are Hewitts in this canon. Yeah, there's no Sawyers. Yeah, so Leatherface catches them and they run. He gets Andy after miles of miles of sheets. Yeah, yeah. I d- oh, don't forget the the tire iron foo. Oh. Yeah, there is a surprisingly nice battle inside the house with the tire iron and the, the chainsaw. But yeah, you are right. When they get out of the house, he just, I guess Leatherface is drying all the sheets in the goddamn county because they run through like 20 sheets as he's trying yeah. to get out of there. How much white linen this motherfucker got? So they head out and he eventually gets his whole, well, not his whole leg, but uh, under the knee chopped cuts off. Cuts off his leg. And he is incapacitated at this point, taken into the house hung onto the meat hook, which obviously, you know, is par for the course of the franchise. But what's super cool is he salts the leg wound and then he wraps it up like a fucking butcher steak. Yeah. I thought that was really badass. <laughs> let, it, let him know, like, he's in deep shit. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was a really cool scene. I love the way he screamed and stuff, putting, putting that on him. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was a really neat idea. That's well done. So, like I said, there are things that I do like in this movie. There really is. I don't, see, I'm not as familiar with the series as you are but is this the first time that leatherface takes off his mask it is it is is it the only time i don't know because i haven't seen the other movies there's a few of them that i just don't know about but for the most part as far as i know we, we never see his face in the mainline series like one two and, and three he never takes off the mask that, that you see and you see him that he has a disease that decayed away his nose which is why he wears his mask yeah that's yeah. the way he looks off. The, the he remakes no of the time, they, they, they had to over-explain. That's another good example of it. They had to give a reason for why he does it. Uh, you know, I, I, mean, so the, I don't think it's bad. It doesn't add anything to the movie. It doesn't take anything away. I guess it just wastes a little time. That's all. And then we go back to where the sheriff is, and he is torturing one of his victims. Yeah, yeah. We no. get a cool scene. I like this scene where he forces the, the curly-haired guy. Morgan. Morgan. Yeah, he forces Morgan to... Eat a gun. Yeah, to eat a gun, to show him exactly how the suicide went down. And this is an incredibly intense scene. Yeah. It really is. This is one of the best scenes It's in a the sadistic movie. scene. Yeah, it really is. This is really sold by two great performances playing off each other. Jonathan Tucker does a really nice job like showing the fear. I, I got a chance to watch some behind-the-scenes footage, 
And when he did this whole scene, he, he put the gun so far back in his mouth, he vomited twice yeah. while he shot this. And I was like, well, holy shit. You know, I mean, like he was really, and you can see like his eyes, they're right there. You can see the fear, like the tears coming out because he's just about to vomit. It, it, it looks so authentic. The way this scene goes back and forth, I, I, I really love it. You think he, the <clears throat> actor told him to do that, to uh, force the gun in his mouth further so he could tear up? I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I you, you know, when when you're playing a scene like that, a- actors have that way of of pushing each other to sort of get that kind of reaction. And you know, that might have been just one of those moments where you know you go right off that input and do it, and it, it works within the scene. That's something you wouldn't have thought about trying. You know, pushing a, like a limit that you might have in your safety or something like that you didn't want to do, and you get something really uh, great out of it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, th- this is an amazing scene. You know, he he's pushed, pushed, pushed. And he eventually turns the gun on him, and he pulls the trigger, and not a goddamn thing happens. Hoyt is unaffected as he laughs in his face. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, we got a killer! <laughs> and yeah, he takes that gun right out, or he pulls out his loaded weapon, and everything. You know, he's in complete control. He's just having a fucking laugh about this whole thing. Yeah, it's as if he's done this before. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, so we go back to Andy on the hook, which is pretty brutal. Leatherface attacks Aaron and the other woman. Yeah, I, I think we see this is so we've talked about a lot of the good here, and we're about to, I think, really the apex of the movie, in my opinion. So Pepper is taken out unceremoniously, by the way. I think she's done up mostly off screen, right? We don't really see a whole lot. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't really see, but it's not about that. It's not about that at all. What it is about is Aaron inside the van looking up. And seeing Leatherface as he turns around and he's wearing Kemper's face. Yeah. This is the best scene maybe in all of the movies. This is shocking. This is horrifying. It is disturbing. All in one fail swoop. It's incredibly well shot. The the only thing that hurts the scene is Beale's reaction. It's good, but it's not exactly like, I think like Florence Pugh and like the start of, of Midsommar. Like it needs mm-hmm. that kind of reaction. That holy shit, I yeah, love that movie. Yeah, so and, and, much. and she, she, Beale can't quite deliver that kind of reaction to it. You know, you you really need that. She does an okay job, but it just you know she sells it like she sells everything that she's afraid of in the movie. When when reality that should hit like a ton of bricks, but the scene the scene really still does it. It's really shocking. It's a shame this is like five seconds of the movie. He's wearing her boyfriend's face. Yeah, and we forgot to mention earlier when he kills him and he's going through his body, he finds a, a ring box. So yeah. he was going to propose. So there's a little bit more. To, it's a little cheesy, but there's a little bit more to it, at least. So you can understand that, you know, the closeness between how deep their relationship was that you wouldn't have known that without that information. Aaron ends up at a relative's place of Leatherface. And uh, this, this is, sucks. This yeah. Sucks. We go from the best thing to the worst. Yeah. Because they're all like, oh, baby doll, you know. You're okay. Have just your tea, calm have your down. tea, you know. Yeah, and they keep forcing tea, tea on him. you know, and they they're, they're doing this whole bit. It's not very good. It, like I said, anyone who isn't uh Ho- Sheriff Hoyt is really just poorly done in this movie. There's only two there's only two bad guy characters that we even should give a shit about, and that's obviously Leatherface and Sheriff Hoyt. Mm-hmm. These people don't really matter. This waste time. They gave us some exposition, but none of it's that important. Yeah, they just drug her. Yeah, they drug her, she passes out, and then they take her back to the house where we don't get a dinner scene. <laughs> yeah, Leatherface throws her down the basement where it's very wet. It's very wet. For some odd reason, Jessica Beale is going to be in a white t-shirt wet for the rest of the movie. Of course. Yeah, I wonder I wonder how that decision came I wonder in. why. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, she's, she's wearing, you know, uh, low-rise pants and she's been jiggling her way through most of this adventure. So now she's going to do it wet. She finds Andy hanging on the hook and... Makes things worse for him. Oh my god! Feels so bad. Oh my I love god! This scene because Le- it makes Le- me cringe. Leatherface just should have killed him. Yeah, because she's just like, let, let me get you off of this thing. She makes it worse. So she attempts to lift him off of it and gets him very close, and then drops him right back on it again. She does it again. Yeah, and then she does it like another time. She gets really far off the hook. Yeah, the yeah. Time. She really does. She really does, and drops him like one more time as he howls in pain. It makes me cringe. And then he begs her for death. And then she just stabs him in the gut. Like the worst way to kill a man. No. Like if you're like, gonna you could just, just like slit his throat. Yeah, or something. just slit his throat. He'll be gone in a few seconds. Doing it that way, like, thank you. Now I get to bleed out over ten minutes. Like 
it's it, it the sequence almost made me laugh in all honesty by how long it went on and how ridiculous Aaron's character really is if you think about it like all the decisions she makes here it it but I, I would say it's one of my favorite scenes but it was certainly a bounce back for from what we what we've had so she ends up finding Morgan who's in a bathtub and they try to escape with the help of the kid yeah that's right yeah the kid is helping them try to get out of there and try to uh, avoid all the dangers Leatherface chases them and then ends up killing the curly-haired guy. Or Morgan, sorry. Yeah, he does, he does kill him. Morgan, yeah. It's curly-haired guy. Cur- curly-haired guy. <laughs> but that, that's the kind of characterization he got, despite his really great performance. Yeah, he, he's taken out. He, he's sawed. So Aaron runs and gets chased throughout the Blair moat. Blair. Oh, sorry. Blair meat packing. Yes, yeah, the meat packing plant is where they went. Blair. The Blair moat. Your abbreviations <laughs> came back to bite you on that one. The Blair moat. <laughs> So we finally get to go to a meatpacking plant in the series. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's kind of interesting. And I, I think the place looks, I mean, once again, everything looks really good in the movie. But I think it's a decent place to set the, a finale against Leatherface. I think this finale is a little half-baked. As much as I like the set piece, I don't think they use it well, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I don't think there's a lot of tension in this whole sequence or anything like that. And I think that's a, a really big problem is we have a lot of chase sequences and stuff. And very rarely do they build up any kind of real tension. It's a little bit of a limp noodle. Yeah, and I, I think that that's one of the, the, the very, as much as I've told you about the scenes that we like, and, and really I was surprised how much I did like in this movie, there's a lot of nothing in between those scenes mm-hmm. of, of things that just kind of happen because they have to, because we have to get to this next part and we have to get to the third act. Like things just sort of occur, and it, it's never really an incredibly strong, uh, it's an incredibly strong kind of film, you know, in, the, in that respect. And I think this is a, a finale that it kind of misses the mark a little bit. You know, she goes through all the slabs of meat and, you know, she's trying to get away and then, you know, she's able to get the drop on him. Yeah. She cuts his arm off. Yeah. She cuts his arm off the canonical cutting of Leatherface's arm off because I I don't know if any of the sequels go forward from this point. I think they all go backwards. Hmm. So yeah, I I, I have to, I have no idea. I have to check that fact. Yeah. But I think, yeah, because the next movie is the beginning, which is obviously that. And then, the next movie is 3D, and that also goes back in time. And then Leatherface is about when he was a kid. So, yeah, they never go forward from this point after he loses an arm. He never ashes it up. What a missed opportunity for him not to have, like, an ash chainsaw arm. Yeah, or try to put somebody else's arm or something. So, yeah, the chainsaw is swirling around the ground with his arm still attached as she runs out of there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, with Leatherface, as far as we know, is, is sort of gone from the movie. She's picked up by a trucker who immediately turns her into the sheriff. Well, because here's the thing I really love about this scene is she's acting just like the hitchhiker from the beginning of the film. And I think that's such a great parallel of like, you know, sort of talking about the madness of the first movie and how that sort of, you know, you remember seeing Sally in the back of the truck. And I think that scene is sort of emulated here in this film it, right here. And I think this is probably Beale's strongest sequence is when she's trying to to communicate how utterly fucking terrified she is to go back that direction. Cause she's doing the same thing, like practically like mauling the guy to not go that way, but he takes her back there anyway. The one thing that we didn't mention was there was a child that the relatives of the Hewitts. That's right. Yeah. That they're taking they, care they of took, one of the victims. Took. Yeah. One of the victims, they, they took the baby. Well, Aaron ends up stealing that baby. Yeah, she does. She does. She Thank gets back God. there. Yeah, she gets she takes the kid when their back is turned and 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 tries to get him out of there. And that's pretty much the end of our movie. Well, we have a, a little bit more to go actually, because we, we have Arlie Ermy. You know, he's not uh, dealt with yet. So as they move back to the truck, you know, you see she has the kid. She puts him down in the in the cab, and she's starting to hotwire the truck. And you see Sheriff Hoyt coming up there slowly stalking them. It's actually one of the better sequences in the movie for trying to build some tension. And he opens up the truck bed. And they're not in there. It's a switcheroo. It's kind of like um, Silence of the Lambs mm-hmm. at the very end of that movie. Like uh, the police are knocking on the door right there. You think yeah. they're going to kick out Buffalo Bill's door and it's nothing. It, Clarice That's is That's how Buffalo. we know she's in trouble. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing here. She was actually in the sheriff's car right behind him, jump-starting that one. She gets started, runs him over. And then what I like is she doesn't just stop. She goes back, runs him over. And then a third time, she runs him over and finishes him off and takes off. Mm-hmm. And uh, Leatherface pops out one last time to take a swipe of the car for absolutely no reason. So he can do the dance, basically. Yeah. And that ends our movie. And he does the dance terribly. He really does. That's one thing really against his performance is that dance is terrible. But he has to do it with his offhand. 
Yeah. So that that is, I can understand why it's not quite as good. So a few facts about this movie. John Lorquette reprised his role as a narrator. He does. He does. We're going to talk about him again. But yeah, he, he did do the opening narration one more time. Erica Learson screamed so loudly during her screen test that people in other parts of the building called the police to report of, of a woman being attacked. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Yeah. This, yeah. I mean, it's how the nature of the beast goes. You can't, you can't really do a lot of screaming and not do a lot of screaming. <laughs> the guy that played Leatherface went on a diet of brisket and white bread, bringing his weight up to 300 pounds to play Leatherface. He's a huge, huge guy. As a stunt guy, I've seen him before. I think he was in the program as well. He played a guy who was addicted to steroids. So by that, you can imagine his physique. And he's much bigger in this movie than he was in that. The scene where R. Lee Ermey wrapped up the hitchhiker's body was ad-libbed by him. First choice to play Leatherface was Dolph Lundgren. That would have been awful. (laughs) That would have been awful. Because you would have had to see his face, right? He turned it down to spend time with his family. That was a good decision. Yeah, Yeah, he probably... The role should be played by a stuntman. Katie Holmes, Kirsten Dunst, and Jessica Alba were all considered for the role of Aaron. Only Alba would have been really in contention. All those other actresses were too, were too big for this movie at this time. There are a few deleted scenes that reveal Aaron was pregnant with Kemper's baby. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that. I'm glad that got that hit the cutting room floor. And that's the 2003 reboot. It's not a high recommend, but it's not. It's a very watchable film. Yeah, it's watchable. It's, it's very watchable. If you enjoy slasher movies, I think you'll enjoy this movie. I don't think it's a particularly good slasher movie. I don't think it's a really great or necessary remake, but it's there. It's not awful. If you can't stand the kind of filmmaking that Toby Hooper did in the 70s, you know, this might be the version for you. And I know a lot of people, they grow up with this movie and have nostalgia for it. I don't, but I certainly don't hate it or anything like that. It's not anywhere near the bottom of the franchise, but I still think it's, it is a watchable film with some issues. I'd give it a solid five out of 10. I think that's probably fair if, you, if you're going to rate it. It's middle of the road. It's middle of the road, but not bad at all. Yeah. On we go to the 2022 reboot. Oh, that, equal. that is correct. So in the year of our Lord 2022, Netflix bestowed upon us Jacob Lattimore, Jessica Allain, Neil Hudson, Moe Dunford, Mark Burnham, Elise Fisher, and Sarah Yarkin in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. So Harlow is a ghost town. We have a vision for this place. All it needs is young blood. I was talking with a friend of mine about this movie. And I think the thing that my takeaway was that somehow there's a movie where Jason Voorhees goes into space. And that plot is somehow more believable than Leatherface versus Influencers. Yeah. And I think that really sums this movie up as, at the end of the day, I'm not sure if this is a comedy. I'm not sure if it's a parody of Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. I don't really know by how ridiculous and over the top that it is. Yeah, it's a really bad movie. I, yeah, I don't, it's not the worst in the franchise, but God, this is. I'm glad I haven't seen them. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really not. It's not the worst in the franchise. Because I, I think this movie is watchable to a lesser degree, but it, it, it is, I think, cheesy horror fun if you can have that. And I think there's some good kills in this movie as well. But. I mean, there's a reason this thing got dumped to Netflix. It is not fantastic at all. It's going to be a while before people have nostalgia and really want to rediscover this movie because it's just watchable kind of schlock at best, and and maybe a decent parody of the of the move of the move of the franchise at this point. We start this movie with John Lorquette, who One is more back time. to narrate in this. One movie. more time, baby. He does return. He comes back, does the narration again. And what this movie does as a requel, we were basically taking everything from Leatherface 2, pardon me, from Text Chainsaw Massacre 2 and on and throwing it out. And so we're coming right back to that continuity again. Yeah, we have the Sawyers once more. We yeah, we have basically they're glorifying the the killings, of course. Mm -hmm. That there's a market for murder. Yeah, and that's how we're introduced to Lorquette's narration. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we see him, and we see 
images from the actual images from the previous movie, everything sort of a recap, and then we pull out and it's a TV, and then we see our what is our lead character actually, and um, that's Elise Fisher, and she plays uh, uh, Leela. She's the main influencer. No, she is the sister. Oh, she's the, actually the, the main sister. Yeah, she's the main character actually. Even if she actually doesn't get the main line, she's the final girl. They're sis and little sis and <laughs> the sis and little sis. Yeah, they they have names. They have names. Uh, Melody is the other uh, act. Is the other character. That's her sister. So we're we're introduced to her, and she finds out a little bit more from talking to the gas station attendant about everything about the past and Leatherface, and you know we get a lot of exposition dumped on us here pretty quickly, but th- that's okay. Yeah, their ultimate goal goal is to get to the small town of Harlow. Yeah, so they're they're going to go to Harlow, and their plan is to go there and to make it better. <laughs> And that's pretty much it. Like that, that that's it. They, they, they have these investors coming and I cannot tell you, we, I've seen the movie twice now and I really paid attention this time. They don't really necessarily have a plan. They just want to make that town like a better place with a bunch of hip influencers running around. But yeah. I don't know how this. Like art galleries and movie theaters. And, I, I have no idea. Yeah. They, they don't even, it doesn't even try to make it a believable thing. It does like the movie doesn't care that it doesn't work or it sounds completely stupid. The movie is completely unconcerned about that aspect at all. Yep. They end up going into the orphanage. Yes. They end up going to the orphanage. Because they spot a Confederate flag out in the outside. Yeah. The investors are just about to get there. They're all, all these motherfuckers coming in on a bus. And so they got to take down this Confederate flag. And so we go into this house and we get introduced to maybe, maybe the lamest subplot. I can think of in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, which is, do these people own the deed title? Pardon me. Do they own the title to their own home? Yeah. And the influencers are quite rude to that old lady. Yeah, they, 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 they really are. They, they throw her out of there because they apparently own the whole town. And, and so, like, the movie contrives this entire situation where they throw her out and she still says she owns the title of the house. And Melody will feel guilty about this later on. But as they're dragging her out of the house, this poor old woman, she ends up having, like, she throws up everywhere. And that makes a giant man emerge at the top of the stairs, who, of course, is Leatherface. Yeah. And he comes and scoops her up. Yeah, he picks her up. He carries her into the back of the police car. Uh, like, a, I guess, like, a, it's, um, it's on a pa- car. Paddy wagon. It's a paddy, paddy wagon. That's right. It's a paddy. When you're rounding up the boys, you gotta get the paddy wagon. <laughs> so, so they're in the paddy wagon. I love that word, by the way. They. They take off from there. And by the way, they take w- one of the characters with them who is, and that's a Nell Hudson, by the way. And uh, her name is Ruth. And I, Ruth. I, well, the thing about Ruth is I watched the movie the first time, didn't really think much about her, but we usually always watch movies with subtitles. And on Netflix, she doesn't have a name. She's just Dante's girlfriend because Dante's one of the, the main characters. Mm-hmm. And... I was very careful to watch this time because I, I, I always watch, you know, James A. Janice's Dead Meats. And he says they never say her name. And I watched this time. They never, ever refer to her by her name. So as far as I'm concerned, her goddamn name is Dante's girlfriend. Actually, he says Dante's partner is what it said in the Dante's sub- partner the subtitles. So, yeah, she, she never gets named or anything like that. But she agrees to go with the old woman to the hospital. Yeah. While they all take care of the investors who just arrived here. In this shithole. I, I do want to mention, by the way, before we move on, uh, we forgot to mention about the introduction of uh, Mo Dunford as Richter. Uh, he's the mechanic. Mm-hmm. And they met him at the gas station. And they kind of talk shit to one another. And that's basically it. Like, he doesn't like these guys coming in. But he's the only other resident of the town that they know of. Yeah. So they're in the sheriff's van going down the road. And the old lady talks to Leatherface and then ends up dying. Yeah. Yeah. She passes away in the back and... Leatherface is desperately trying to like turn the oxygen mask and, and get her to come back. It doesn't work. And when one of the police officers attempts to calm him, Leatherface snaps his arm like a twig. Yeah. And then shoves the broken femur right into his throat, killing him. Yeah. In a pretty brutal effect. Mm-hmm. And he, that officer he brings out his gun and shoots, and he shoots his partner through the throat as he's driving. And it causes them to crash into a field of sunflowers. Oh, mighty Texas, known for our fields of sunflowers. Not to be fair, I have seen fields of sunflowers in Texas. We do, but it is not a normal... But it's not like Sweden or wherever. 
This I think place. it's like Bulgaria is where they shot, they shot this in Europe. And they, they, they built that whole town out there. All that's like a, like a, like a fake movie town. Hmm. All of it. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, a facade. A facade. So, so yeah, they, uh, they crash into a big tractor right in the middle of the sunflower field. And Leatherface begins to do his thing. He cuts off his mother's face and transforms once again into Leatherface. Yeah, which I like. I like you see the the face in in light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you get one of the movie's best shots where he pops his head up over the sunflowers, and you see him like in in all his glory. And then he goes over there and finishes off the cop who was not quite dead yet. He yeah. goes in there and smashes his head in as Dante's partner is trying to call for help and trying to find a way to get out of the situation. She ends up trying to crawl over the driver's seat, but it doesn't work. Leatherface finds her. Yeah. He eventually slowly guts her, right? Well, he strangles her in the beginning, yeah. and then he starts, while he's strangling her, he, he cuts her, he guts her. Yeah. So she is killed right there, and she, the, the main thing, you going to say something? No, I was just going to go move into a very cringy part of this movie. So, yeah, as she, the, the main reason that she is killed in the way she does and that she calls is that the gas station owner has to hear her call so he can call Sally Hardesty. The survivor from the first yeah, movie. Yeah, that's where I was going. Yeah, and this is the worst element of this movie. This character is literally like like a naked gun version of Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween 2018. I, I mean, it feels just like, like an epic movie parody version of that character. That's exactly what Sally Hardesty feels like in this movie. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, the original actress who played Sally Hardesty, she passed away, so she's been recast in this movie. So it doesn't even have that gravity to it when Jamie Lee Curtis returns the role or even in something uh, a little bit older like New Nightmares when Heather Langenkamp comes back right yeah if you recast that part who gives a shit right you have to have that actress right that's mm-hmm. how that works you can't just redo it so we get her she's gutting a pig at this time right yeah and she grabs all her shit and loads up and goes to to take him on right it's all lame yeah it really is it's terrible and then we have we go back to Leatherface and he kills Dante. He does, yeah. They're um so we have the storyline, him and Melody are in the house and they're looking for the title and they find the title upstairs. Like that fucking means anything, right? Mm-hmm. It's not how titles find in work. her jewelry box. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. Nothing about this story means a fucking thing. But Dante is killed for being in the house by Leatherface, and Melody is hiding from him. And she's she's really, you know. Trying to avoid him. And then eventually we have uh, the mechanic comes back in, uh, Richter, and he has a fight with Leatherface. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, they get into it. Yeah, they, they have a nice little fight until his leg is snapped. Leatherface hits him right in the middle of the shin and like his leg bends the wrong way. And they r- tussle a little bit more. And I think he is, his neck is stabbed on like a glass shard. Yeah, it's poking out of the window seal or the doorway. Yeah, or where something. they're wrestling. He, yeah, yeah, he forces him that way it's very cool he falls back and he sees melody under the bed and in a, in like a, a true like like homeboy hall of fame move he goes to grab the keychain and the keys to the to the bus of theirs and like give them to her but before he can do it leatherface smashes his head in in a pretty really brutal effect yeah i like this kill a lot because he's do 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 and just completely smashed away like you can see his hand holding onto the keys and then going limp after like the third hit. It's very cool. I, I like the way that's and the kills are, are really the high point of this movie. I agree. I, I think the kills were really well done. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that was really good. And then we get some flashbacks of some school shooter stuff. Oh yes, we we did mention this earlier, but uh, Melody's sister. This is her. This is her backstory. She survived a school shooting, and I don't. I mean, it's exploitative. Sure, it is, but. There's been a lot of school shootings. So, I mean, there's some people who do really have that background. Yeah. So it is what it is. Obviously, this is not a great story about (laughs) the survivor of that overcoming adversity. It's not really what this movie's about. It's a cheaper thing in it. It is what it is. It's, they could have cut it. Yeah, it it, it helps a little bit of the story, but I, I don't think it really, I mean, it's not exactly tasteless. You know, it's not done that poorly, but it's not great either way. So Sally's back, and uh, she stumbles upon a macabre shrine in the sunflower field. Yeah, she does. She sees the Leatherface's adopted mother there with her face cut off, just sitting there. It's a very cool shot, by the way. Yeah. Very cool shot. 
Uh, Melody is making her escape through the house during this time as well. Yeah. Right. And there's um. I, there's a and she. I, I think that's that sequence is all right. You know, she's under the house and Leatherface puts the chainsaw underneath and uh, he cuts a, a sewer pipe and covers yeah. her in like liquid shit. Yeah. To, to be very gross. And, you know, he pops, you know, she pops out of there. She, she's able to be saved by her sister and they, they take off towards the bus. So after this, we have Melody and her sister. She, you know, she just saved her sister. She pulled her away from another face. She's still stinking to shit. They run towards the bus in the rain and they get there and they try to warn everybody and they try to get the bus started, but it, it, it's just not coming together. Right. Yeah. So as they're there, Leatherface follows them to the bus. And this is an incredibly brutal scene. We have one little joke where the influencers pull up their phone and go, try anything, you're canceled. And Leatherface just lays waste to all of them with a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Limbs flying everywhere, blood everywhere, people clamoring towards the back of the bus. It's mad chaos. Yeah, I mean, it really Everybody is. Dies. Yeah, th- there really is some really interesting kills. Very well done. I, it's just a very, very brutal scene. You know, it's my not, favorite part of the movie. Yeah, it's not over the top or silly or anything like that. It, it, it really I think is it's just a little silly. I, I don't really think so. I think it's really brutal. I do. Like, I think when he cuts that girl in half, that might be the silliest part. When she's climbing out the window. Yeah, that might be the silliest part, and that's really probably only because of the the CG. Yeah, I, I thought it was a silly scene. Yeah, only because of the CG. So. Maybe I have a weird sense of humor. I mean, it's possible that you might, you know, <laughs> it's possible. So yeah, the two sisters are in the bathroom and they escape. Yeah, they escape with the help of Sally and this is where she comes in. Yeah, she she comes in the fray and they get in the back of the vehicle and they try to take off. They want to take off, but Sally is there for revenge, right? Yes, and she's she's more important that she gets her revenge than help these two poor girls. It makes no fucking sense. Yeah, yeah, it is super strange. They have this whole sequence here where she goes in the house and she confronts him and she recites their names. Like, you don't remember me. You don't remember me. And it all is a big nothing burger. They go outside. They have the confrontation. She is stabbed with the chainsaw. Yeah. She is stabbed through the chest with the chainsaw. And it's like see a, a, that. Yeah. I mean, he's holding her above her, his head and throws her like 15 feet away. Yeah. Into a bunch of trash. And she lives. And she does survive. Yeah. When the girls are threatened later, she shoots him again and buys them a little bit of time. The sisters try to run. Basically, they try to run him over and they end up crashing, which is wasted their opportunity to escape. Like, he's yeah, a he big does, guy. Yeah, he's he, going to put a dent into your car if yeah, you hit him, even yeah. at a, sl- a low speed. Yeah. Like, y- why do that? Just swerve and miss him. Or back up and go a different way. Yeah, yeah, no, it was... Um, and then that's the movie, folks. <laughs> yeah, they would have got out of there. So they crash into the into the mechanic shop. Mm-hmm. Leatherface has to go find his chainsaw that he threw. And so uh, the girls are left to have to do a one-on-one battle with him. I'm sorry, Sally is... She gives her gun as her final act to, um, um, to Leela. Yeah. She goes after Leatherface. Yeah, so a, a survivor of a school shooting is given a gun as a solution to the problem. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. NRA would love this movie. Yeah. So she goes after Leatherface and ends up running into trouble. Yeah. Big Sis comes to her rest, rescue, and and uh, after the gun is out of a little sis's hands, I, I'm sorry, it's Melody and... Leela. Leela. Uh, big, uh, Melody distracts Leatherface long enough to give um, Layla time to get the gun and shoot Leatherface. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and that, that's it. They shoots him, then Melody comes and gives him the chainsaw uppercut mm-hmm. and knocks him into this pool of water where he slowly sinks into the bottom. Yeah. They leave. We get a happy ending. We get twinkly little music. They start the self-driving car to go home. Mm-hmm. And as the self-driving car is slowly leaving... Leatherface breaks the window and pulls Melody out of the goddamn car and cuts her head off as her sister is watching. It was not at all wet, by the way. No, 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 not at all. It is such a, it's over the top, but I really like the way the movie ends. It's, uh, and Leatherface has a great dance afterwards. And I mean, it's almost like an over the top comedy. It really is at this moment with her screaming out of the self-driving car to match the way Sally was in the original movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work. It's cheesy. It's stupid. This isn't, this is kind of a fun movie, but it's not that fun to really say I would recommend it. I don't. 
The only uh, fact that I have is the film was shot in 2020. It had a release date of 2021. All plans were scrapped after a string of disastrous test screenings. It was sold to Netflix where it debuted in February of 2022. Yeah. And that this was shot in Bulgaria. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of facts. I well, it is a newer anything. movie, so you're not really necessarily going to have a lot of that coming out. And like I said, it wasn't well-loved, so there's not a lot of people like looking for those facts about it and stuff like that. It is what it is. And then for reviews, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 got a 4.1 user review, 37% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 6.2 IMDb. 6.2 IMDb. Uh, Texas Chainsaw 2022 got a 1.9, which is by far the lowest rate user rating <laughs> we've gotten on any movie. I, I didn't know that it was that low. And then it got a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 4.7 IMDb. And then here are some 10 star reviews. Let's go opposite. I went to see this remake opening night and I was completely immer- immersed in it within the first 10 minutes. The acting was great on everyone's part. I thought Jessica Bill did a great job shedding, shedding her WB persona and was totally believable as Aaron. Yes, fellas, she's hot, but I think it's her talent that really counts here. Big screen newcomer Mike Vogel made his pain seem so authentic that my skin crawled. And of course, mad props to R. Lee Ermey, who did a bang-up job portraying the some, sometimes funny but ultimately disturbing con- county sheriff. Also worth mentioning was Laura German as a teenage girl in the opening scene. There was only one thing that disappointed me, and that was the persistent presence of Leatherface. I didn't know that was Laura German. Yeah, apparently was. Hmm. For example, the scene with him skewing, sewing the mask in the basement could have been taken out. I believe the less we see of him, the more surreal and frightening is when he is present. Other than that, no real complaints. I thought the script was fresh adaptation of the original, it wasn't the scariest movie, but it was creepy and it did make me jump a couple of times. And in response to critics who call the movie too brutal, how can we call this movie more brutal than such acclaimed classics as Scarface, The Godfather, or more recently Kill Bill? I liked all these movies, but I can't agree with the one form of violence is more acceptable or appropriate than the other. But anyways, if you do see Texas Chainsaw Massacre, be sure to catch it while it's hot. Movies like this are always better when you have a reaction of the audience. Well, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad review. You know, I think he kind of laid out his claims, right? No, it's it's a 10-star review. Yeah, so I, I think he kind of laid out his claims. I, I mean, listen, you, you love what you love, right? You hate what you hate. That, yeah. That's all I can say about that, really. Um, it's not a bad movie to like. No, I, I understand no I've, seen, I've seen garbage before, and this isn't that. Yeah. Here's a 10-star review of the 2022 movie. Most modern horror films are much the same. Get a bunch of totally repellent characters together, make most of the audience hate them immediately, and start killing them off. The example fits the pattern so perfectly it is impossible to find a single fault. So what do a group of Gen Z morons trapped on a bus by a chainsaw-wearing maniac do? Film said maniac with their smartphones, naturally, and threaten him with being canceled. At this point, I literally burst out laughing, and the subsequent butchery fest was everything I'd hoped for. Brilliant special effects. You could almost believe people were really being dismembered, decapitated, and cut in half. Whatever, dude. I know, right? Like, yeah. whatever, dude. Yeah, whatever, dude. And with that being said, I, you know, I think it's, um, you know, n- not two recommends at all. They're two, we don't recommend really any of the movies. Mm-hmm. But we think 2003 is very watchable. And if you enjoy it, that's pretty cool. Yeah. If you enjoy 2022, you may need your head examined. Yeah, I don't think you know what horror is. Um, yeah, I think that just might be the case. And like I said, if you think that we need our head examined, uh, you can let us know that in a number of ways, one of which is grittyrebootcast at gmail.com. That's the most 90s way to get a hold of us. You can also look for us at Gritty Reboot at Instagram and at TikTok as well. We respond to any question or query there, so that's a great way to get a hold of us. Meredith, what are your socials? I don't have socials. That's right. Fuck social media. We don't need it. That's not true. We do. So please... You know, find a way to subscribe to the show. Give us a review if you can. You know, five Followers. stars. Follow, like, subscribe. You know, if you're following on YouTube, <laughs> what it, what it, just please make it positive. That's all I ask. Make it positive. Yeah, we uh, we need some reviews. We need some. We do. We need a lot of things. We do. We, we that's all we ask. We ask a lot. Not yeah. right. Yeah, we, we yeah we're we're just we're just saying just take one minute, go there five stars and say yeah. the greatest podcast in the world send. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe not that far, but something along those lines, what we're looking for. Or if you hate us, tell us how much we suck. Yeah, that's fine. We'll deal with that too. We're deal we're we're grown ass adults who can deal with it. That's not I'm gonna cry. I'm just gonna cry. Well, he may my, cry, but I won't crying in my big pillow. Uh, I brush it off. That's right. All right, guys. Um, so with that, we'll be back uh, next week uh, for probably a pair of leather faces and uh, finishing up uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre feature. So yeah. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye.